Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Another week, another episode of Straight Outta Cobham on today's pod. Spurs seen off in stunning second half CFC salvo. We remember Jimmy Greaves. Look ahead to the midweek clash with Villa and plenty more besides. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Outta Cobham. Hey listener, hope you're good. Another week, another 3-0 win. Uh, easy this Premier League lark, isn't it? I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined today by Sam Parkin. Morning, Matt. And from The Athletic, the one and only Dominic Fifield. Hi, Dom. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Uh, and the first stop for us today is going to be another delightful derby day. That's for the Quater, and now here's Werner running into the box. Cuts it back for Rudiger, who sweeps in number three for Chelsea. Finishes the job. Sends those Chelsea fans behind the corner flag, absolutely jubilant. We lacked energy and, and we lacked compactness oh, yeah. and, and we lacked the belief to decide 50-50 duels onto our side and that had to change and uh, this is what we did. Second half was very, very good and I'm happy about it. I think it was a very good half from, uh, from Tottenham. They put a lot of intensity, it was difficult for us. But uh, we reacted very well in second half and we are happy for, with the three goals and uh, with the result. Tottenham nil, Chelsea 3 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday then. Listener, you can insert your own Spurs net zero joke here. Uh, fairly even in the first half, but then, as is his wont, Thomas Tuchel made a brilliant tactical change, bringing in Angolo Kante and going with three in midfield and two in attack. 45 minutes later, Chelsea had romped to a 3-0 win. Uh, easy. Uh, here's Sean, who's tweeted the pod, to ask how much credit does Tuchel deserve and why is it all of it? Uh, Dom, I, I, I feel like I'm just going to become a bit of a Thomas Tuchel fanboy here in that I think that he is pretty much untouchable in, in terms of Premier League coaches at the moment. Am I overselling it? Has he just got by far the best squad or, or is it his genius which is turning games in Chelsea's favour? Well, I think even he admitted that it, it does help. If you want to change things at half-time in a game, you've got N'Golo Conte, a World Cup winner, Champions League winner, arguably the best midfielder in the world uh, for all Simon's protestations um, to bring on. He can change a contest and the momentum of a game just with one tactical switch. So having that that depth of squad is clearly <laughs> quite beneficial to Thomas Tuchel. But that, that said, everything he does at the moment is is coming off, literally everything. I suppose you could argue that he's having to make these switches because his original selections aren't quite there, but even that's pushing it because although Tottenham probably edged that first half and were certainly the the dominant force in midfield, Chelsea still had the resilience to to soak it up. That back line still dealt with everything that was thrown at them. Thiago Silva dealt with Son Heung-min on him, which is, you know, on paper quite a quite a task uh, when Son's on form. 
And then they just flipped that switch at half time, and the second half was, I mean, for, for Spurs it was utterly humiliating. For for Chelsea, it it was just a reminder of all the quality they have and the pedigree they have in that team. They 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 were utterly utterly dominant, and a, a lot of that is down to Tuchel recognizing a problem, coming up with a solution, and it working. Sam, for me, it's the I'm not sure ruthlessness is is the right word because I think he's a little bit softer than that but but it's it's the absolute calculation of uncertainty of his of his actions you know yesterday at half time Mason Mount Chelsea's player of the year undroppable under Frank Lampard sorry you're coming off at half time I've spotted this problem I've found the solution for it this is what's happening as a player you know the likes of Mount can't have any complaints can they because the results bear out the fact that the decisions too cool uh, is making are consistently the right ones yeah, yeah, it seems to be this new age of managers where they do make these really proactive decisions. I think going back a few years, even at the highest level, you'd be given a 10, 15 minute window of opportunity to improve in the second half before your number goes up. But that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. And and you're right, he, he seems to be getting these big decisions right. Because I think watching that game yesterday, I don't think Mason Mount was particularly worse than any other player. Um, you know, looking at the touches this morning, um, him and Haberts had plenty of the ball. Um, they had plenty of attempts. Well, they didn't work the goalkeeper in the first half. I think his execution of his final ball is letting him down right now. And I don't know if it's a little bit of fatigue, but that's the only criticism I can have about Mason Mount. And interesting to hear, I think I read in, in Dom's piece this morning that Thomas Tuchel spoke that it wasn't necessarily a change in system. I mean, to my eyes, it looked like a change in system. Mm. But I think I've spoken of Mason Mount's willingness to get back and be that third midfielder when Chelsea haven't got the ball and still be able to be the number 10, one of the number 10s when they have got the ball. So maybe it was just a little switch to make Kante obviously as a more orthodox holding midfield player So and probably wouldn't have the... Or probably, yeah, and it doesn't really have it in his armory to go and play off a, off a striker as Mason Mount can. So it was maybe that was the alteration rather than a complete change in, in shape. But but yeah, brilliant decision um, because it not only stemmed Tottenham's uh, forceful performance from the midfield in the first half, it probably gave them an extra short pass as well if Chelsea were building out because they had someone a little bit closer. So it, it worked twofold and um Obviously, the timings of the goal, Matt, is everything as well. The first goal, you know, swings the momentum hugely in Chelsea's favour. But but yes, he, he deserves enormous credit again today. And encouraging, actually, Dom, even if he says it wasn't a, a, a total change of formation, but to see some tactical flexibility, because that's maybe the one thing that we haven't seen too much of under Tuchel. Yeah, I mean, the, the, one of the few times he went to four at the back, for example, I think it was Leeds last season, Chelsea looked very, very ineffective that, that afternoon. So you're right, they, they've sort of settled on a system and they've stuck with it. And there is a slight adaptation there. I, I'm intrigued now to see how he how he goes into the City game at the weekend. Does he retain that three-man midfield and, and play Jorginho, Kovacic and, and Conte in the same in the same team to, to ensure that they control that midfield area against City, which is, you know, an area of the team. If you, if that's where you, you win your battle probably against Manchester City. And, and does that have implications for, for Mount or Havertz? Does Timo Werner come in to, into that team for for one of those two or for both, you know, and come to for the other one? 
to stretch the play a bit. I mean, it's it's a it's it's a really intriguing selection in the build up to that match because that is that is a critical game now because they can Chelsea's momentum is hugely hugely impressive at the moment. If they beat City at the weekend, then it, it, I mean it's way too early to to be talking about two horse races and 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 but 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 that that is a statement. That's that's a proper psychological damage being inflicted on a direct rival. So I'm I'm I mean what would Sam, Sam what would you do what would, what do you reckon for the, for that for that midfield do you, would you play all three on Saturday? Quite possibly, yeah. Quite possibly. I think you obviously saw the impact that Werner had as well. That's another decision for for the manager to make if he goes with just the two pronged attack, if you like. But I know it was against a, a Spurs team that were very down on their confidence, but it seemed to work in an attacking sense and give you the stability as well. So. Yeah, against against one of the top sides, um, it may be the way that he wants to go. Definitely to control the midfield, and it's it's hard to think that he's going to have to leave one of them out at times, given the form they're all in. I mean, Kovacic has been a revelation this year. Jorginho's as good as he's ever been, uh, and Kante obviously showed yesterday that he's back up to speed. So that's probably the, one of the strongest areas of the squad right now. Um, so to go with three of them would probably seem sensible for some fixtures. We mentioned some individuals there, somebody you haven't touched on yet, Thiago Silva. Uh, Don, we're going to have to upgrade him to Thiago Gold soon, aren't we? I mean, it's 37 <laughs> on Wednesday. Staggering, isn't it? I mean, that, that was a real test up against Son in the in the first half. And and there were periods where you thought, well, Spurs of Nuno's actually struck upon a, a, a tactical plan here that's going to force Chelsea back and, and, and Spurs against the odds might actually get something from this match. But... But the way he sort of rose to the challenge and the way he carries himself on a football pitch, it seems to sort of rub off on Rudiger and Christensen at his side as well. And, and they, I mean, Rudiger's been playing brilliantly for a long time, but Christensen, he's just come back from the from the summer tournament, a, a changed man. Again, I mean, maybe bolstered by the performance he put in in the Champions League final as well, admittedly, but... but when you've got Thiago there as an inspiration, who who is leading that line, who is who's dictating how they play, it just hoists the the performances up to new levels. And I mean, it, it felt a risk bringing him to England um, at this stage of his career so late on, but he's been used very cleverly, quite shrewdly. They've picked and chosen the games that he plays, particularly this season, and. If he's still capable of putting in performances like that, he's going to be a key player for what twenty league games this season, twenty of the biggest league games I'd argue as well this season, and and can inspire this this miserly Chelsea back line to to new levels of excellence. Yeah, Chelsea conceded one goal in the Premier League all season, and that was a penalty. Uh, Sam, I feel with with Thiago Silva, if I was a striker, he'd be one of the defenders I'd least like to face because, you know, if you're going to play against Tony Rudiger, he's going to smash you about and run him from nowhere and make great tackles and challenge you in the air, etc. But with Thiago Silva, he just seems to step in front of players and take the ball off them without breaking sweat. And that must be really <laughs> dispiriting for anybody going up against him. Yeah, I'd, I'd much prefer to play against someone that, that wants to have a fight, essentially. Um, you, you know where you're at with that. And, you know, someone like him who... Is very clever. I mean, there's no obvious weakness in his game right now. It's even the, I think in that central one, you want him to have the ability to step out and play crucial passes at times in games. And there was one crossfield ball, I think for Alonso, who'd made the most minuscule little bit of 
movement as to where he wanted the ball. And, and Silva picked out his left foot from kind of 40 yards. So <laughs> I think he brings that, he brings that um, in abundance. And you want that in your, your your middle player of the three. But then defensively brilliant. And then obviously a, a big threat from set pieces as well. I mean, it's very clever. I mean, Deli Ali, it was pitiful, the attempt to, to stop him. But it's brilliant play from from Silva and a, a wonderful header. So he's got that in his armory as well. And as Dom says, yeah, kind of cajoles the the rest of the, the, the back line wonderfully well. It's completely bought into the Premier League and Chelsea. And I mean, you're not going to give him two or three years, are you? But certainly you'd want to see him around next year, given his form right now. Uh, Dom, your post-match piece for The Athletic, uh, you say that the team appears ready to to win the Premier League. What I thought underlined that was the fact that the front three didn't have a particularly good game yeah. in this match. You know, Lukaku had a few chances toward the end, mount off at half-time, Havertz not particularly influential. And yet, as soon as Chelsea got the first goal, there was no doubt about the result of the game. Yeah, and, and that says a lot, really, that, that even with the, the two number 10s, not quite clicking yet. Still looking for that balance, and that we saw that last week against against Zenit and Aston Villa as well. That they're still finding ways of winning very very comfortably, personified to a certain extent by Marcus Alonso. I thought. I mean, he he's he's a player that I don't think there would have been too many tears had he moved on in the summer. I think we all know what Marcus Alonso's limitations have always been. I mean, and and where his sort of the ceiling is for his performances. He's he's excellent going forward and. You know, when when teams find a way beyond him, he, he, his positioning can be awry. But, but I don't think I've I don't maybe in that Conte year possibly, but I don't remember him playing this well that often. I mean, he's he was. I know he likes to raise his game for games at, at Spurs, but he was phenomenal on that on that flank, and he was camped in in enemy territory for most of that second half. Um, I mean, really advanced to the extent that he was actually getting in Lukaku's way at, at times, which, which I think was annoying Lukaku. But the, the the volley that sort of set the tone for the second half right at the beginning of the, the period, I mean, that, that, that summed him up, bursting down the flank, a constant threat. His delivery from set pieces is awesome. And I know we've been focusing on and asking the question, when does Ben Chilwell walk back into this team? And And ultimately, I suspect he will get back into this team because he's a better defender than the Marcus Alonso I imagine but there's no displacing Alonso at the moment he's he's playing in the form of his life and just looks completely content and at ease in these surroundings yeah he did excellently shout out too to Kepa who came in last minute for the injured Mendy and apparently at one point had to make a save uh, during <laughs> the match uh, brilliant win for Chelsea then. Before the game, tributes were paid to an icon of British football. We'll celebrate the life of Jimmy Greaves next. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On Sunday morning, it was announced that the great Jimmy Greaves had passed away at the age of 81. Uh, He came through the ranks at Chelsea. In many ways, the first academy product in modern parlance. Still holds the record for most league goals scored in a season for the club, 41 back in 1959-60. That total included six (laughs) hat-tricks that season. Uh, Overall, he scored 132 goals in 169 games for Chelsea before he went to AC Milan and Spurs. Remains the highest scorer in the history of English football with 357 goals. Uh, Sam, before your time as a player, but, but still an influence on you, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'd be lying if um, I'd say I've seen much of him and, you know, obviously clearly not a hero of mine because of the, the year, etc. But my dad very rarely gave me advice on football. I kind of was just taken and get on with it, which was a great thing. But there's kind of three memories I've got from my childhood. Work on both your feet was always the advice from my dad, which I did and I became quite competent with both sides. Side foot the ball when you're in on goal, pass it into the corners and try and go round the keeper was another thing my dad used to say to me. And looking at the goals, Jimmy Greaves's goals, certainly he never smashed the ball. Rarely did he smash the ball. It was all about passing it into the corners and the other two things completely run true as well. So I think indirectly or directly, my dad having grown up in that era and watched Jimmy Greaves, uh, who was a, a hero of his and who he spoke about a, a lot even to this day, I think it probably did have an impact on my on my career and the, and the way that I kind of wanted to be as a striker. Um, and looking back over his, his goals, the first thing that struck me was just how two-footed he was. Incredible, really. I, I, I don't think I could tell you which foot was his his favoured. Um, the grace that he got away from people. So it wasn't just, you know, predatory finishes. It wasn't just hanging around the goal. He could move as well. And almost George Best-esque, some of the goals that I've seen in the last 24 hours, the way he's, the way he's slaloming past people. Um, and, and obviously, you know, I remember him from... Saint and Greavesy, and I think you know the the supporters uh, of the clubs, the London clubs that he played for, loved him because he was a maverick, wasn't he? And there was there's some great st- uh, tales of him and Bobby Moore, who was his big mucker. So I think he had a great rapport with the supporters, and certainly people of my generation loved him on the on the telly. So yeah, for the for the older people like my my dad who watched him as a player, loved him, and for people like myself, just loved him as a character. So. Sorely missed. And when you're looking through those stats, some of those you reeled off there, Matt, it's like you're reading Royal the Rovers, isn't it? It's ridiculous. I think he's called 17 penalties out of 382 club goals as well, which, you know, blows some modern day players out out the, the water in terms of their stats. Yeah, one of his seasons as a junior at Chelsea, he got 114 goals in one season. 
Um, somebody, I forget who, apologies, but one of the papers this morning describing him scoring a goal as like somebody closing the door on a, on a Rolls Royce, which I thought was really <laughs> nice. And and Dom, Sam used the word grace there. And that, that's something that struck me about the finish is he he's never, never seems to be leathering the ball in or, or even scuffing it in. It's always placed delicately, you know, like he's... Like he's putting a, a baby bird back into its nest, sort of thing. The the care with which he's taking, yeah, absolutely, and natural grace, poise, balance. Um, yeah, there was a there was a delicacy about it all. It was it was he he just he he did everything naturally. I was listening to David Pleat talking about him yesterday, and and Pleat is someone I worked with a lot in in my at my previous job, and and he knows so much about football, but you could you could tell just from the way he was speaking about Jimmy Greaves, that just how much he admired him. Um, he was telling a story about I think, a game where his Exeter team were playing Jimmy Greaves and, and at one point Exeter were, were pulling off a, a bit of a, a cup shock and, and winning 3-2 and then Greaves just decided to turn it on and just waltz through them three times in the last five minutes and scored a hat-trick. So they won by six goals to three, I think, in the end. And he just had that ability just, you know, when he when he when he... When he focused, he would just glide through the opponents between centre halves and then caress the ball into the corner, and, and just a, a wonderful, wonderful talent. We, we, we'll always, we'll always think of, I suppose, the, the disappointment that he suffered in '66, which is which clearly bugged him and, and clearly annoyed him throughout his life and, and disappointed him that he, he could he, he, you know he was in that England team he was the first choice striker until an injury got him in the group stage and in the France game and ended up with um, Jeff Hurst taking his place in the in the side uh, for the latter stages but the goal scoring record speaks for itself the way that he's spoken about by anyone who played him anybody who saw him anybody who worked with him speaks for itself and and the way that he he took to broadcasting, I mean, you're probably a better place to speak about this, Matt. That I, I mean, I grew up watching Satan Greasy as well. It was a Saturday. It was what you did. You preferred it to football focus with with Ian St John and and Jimmy Greaves on the television in a, in an era where we were suffering blackouts in terms of broadcasts in in this country, twelve weeks without any football coverage whatsoever on our televisions, and and he was there with Ian St John talking football doing features making things lively without any clips or anything to back him up and and yet it was engaging television because he was so he had that charisma that that sparkle in his eye and that that the mischief between the pair of them was just it was engaging and it's uh, he's he'll be fondly remembered on that front as well yeah that saint and greavesy was was destination television for people of our age and, and definitely one of the things that made me want to get into broadcasting but i hope i can do it as effortlessly uh, as he seemed to one day in, in the same way that it was effortless the way that he scored goals uh, jimmy greaves a chelsea great and a football great this episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Right, Chelsea begin their Carabao Cup campaign on Wednesday night as familiar foes Aston Villa visit Stamford Bridge for the second time this month. The Blues exited the competition at this stage last season. We're expecting plenty of changes. I've asked the chaps to come up with their starting 11s for the game. I've done one too, so we'll see if we're thinking along the same lines. Uh, let's go position by position, I think. Dom, who have you got in goal? Well, I'll put Kepper just to, to maintain it, but I suppose there has to be a chance that better than he plays, but... Um... No, Kepper is Kepper is uh, just to maintain his form. He hopefully he'll get a few more saves to make uh, in midweek than he did at uh, Tottenham Hotspur, and that'll just boost his confidence even more. Because I thought he was, I think he was good uh, at Spurs, considering the sort of late call up, and that's reassuring in its own way. Yeah, I went Bettinelli just because it'd be a chance to get him a game for Chelsea. Um, Sam, have you gone Kepper as well? I have, yeah, but I mean, it'll probably depend on severity of uh, of Mendy's injury and how likely he's to be back for the weekend. So you can't have any risk with Kepper. But yeah, I think you know he'd get the nod in front of Bettinelli if Mendy's likely to be all right for the weekend. Uh, Bettinelli, by the way, 41 league starts for Middlesbrough last season. So it's not like he's a third choice goalkeeper who hasn't played much in recent years. Uh, Dom, are you going three at the back? And if so, who's in it? I've gone uh, Chaloba, Christensen and Saar. I want to see Malang Sar play um, for the uh, for the first time, and, and yeah, I mean, obviously Thiago Silva is going to need a rest. Two massive games coming up after this. Christensen to offer a bit of experience and a bit of guidance in there, but the other two, I think, deserve a chance. Uh, I was a bit spooked by what I saw from Sar in that preseason friendly against Spurs, so I went Chiloba, Christensen, Rudiger. What about you, Sam? I think Rudigan needs a rest above anyone else probably in the in the squad and I probably wouldn't take a risk with Silver either. So I'm going to make Aspilicueta have another run out and then Chaloba and Christensen can decide between themselves which one plays centrally and which one plays on the left because, yeah, I think maybe too much of a risk to go with too much inexperience by throwing, well, in terms of Chelsea first team action by throwing Sarri in. So I think Chaloba could play either of those positions, to be honest, and Christensen. Yeah, I think Trev's the the one name that's nailed on on everybody's team sheet and probably Thomas Tuchel's too. Uh, you going wing-back slash four in midfield, Dom? Yeah, it all gets a bit sketchy from this moment on, I'm afraid, Matt. <laughs> I've gone I've gone Reese James because he didn't play on Sunday. 
I've gone Ben Chilwell because he obviously needs the game time at left wing back. Um, and I've, I, I, Saul needs a, needs a game, so he's playing in the middle. And then I've, I've put N'Golo Conte in there as well, just because, just to get up some minutes. I'd hope that he wouldn't play the whole 90 and that maybe a, a Loftus cheek might come on for him or a Barkley even possibly later on. But uh, yeah, those are my four James, Saul, Conte, and Chilwell. Uh, Ruben for Kante is my only change on that. Sam, what about you? I've gone Jorginho because um, he got his rest against, was it the first half against Aston Villa? Mm. I, I think, you know, Sal's obviously been brought into the club. He needs to play this game. Um, quite a, a test for him mentally. I know this is a top player from Europe, but he was so off colour against Aston Villa. You'd expect they'll go pretty strong. So... Yes, yeah, it's, it's a test for him, but he has to play and he has to get over that. So, yeah, I'd go for Jorginho just because he had that slight rest and then, yeah, in complete agreement with the um, the two wing-backs, the, they definitely deserve an opportunity. Uh, front three-wise, I'm giving Callum a go in his favoured position alongside Timo Werner through the middle and Hakim Ziyech on the left. Can you offer any advance on that, Dom? Exactly the same. Sam? Snap. Same for me, mate. <laughs> oh, that was easy. So Lukaku starts. And then <laughs> but this, this is his first League Cup tie ever, isn't it, for Tuchel? So, I mean, it's we are completely into the unknown. He may, may not have been told yet that you don't pick your first team in these matches. <laughs> um, Villa, Sam thinks they'll go fairly strong, Dom. I, I wonder who this game matters more to. Villa might think, well, we've got to semis of this competition and the final in, in recent seasons. Maybe it's a, a chance to kind of bear out the improvement that we've made by winning something. Whereas for Chelsea, it's clearly fourth on the list of priorities. I think it probably means more to Villa, to be honest. I think, I know they were, they were fantastic with their victory this, this weekend. Um, very convincing win over Everton. Um I just wonder whether there might have been a bit of a bit of pressure building up on the in the background on on Dean Smith. If if a if a team makes the the level of investment, I know they got the money obviously for Jack Grealish, but, but a lot of changes, a, a lot of a lot of big name players in, and the wage bill will have gone up as a result. I think the level of ambition and expectation rises accordingly, and I just wonder whether the hierarchy would have looked at that and they wouldn't necessarily have accepted a a particularly mid table stodgy start to the season. So they've got the the relief from that emphatic win at the weekend over Everton, and 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 they will target this as as one of the the the, the routes to silverware. For all that the big clubs tend to end up winning this despite playing reserve teams throughout most of the competition, but I think for them, an ambitious club, big wage bill, big backing, yeah, they need to they need to be going out there and winning it. Uh, spoiler alert, listener, Man City ended up winning the Carabao Cup in the 2021-2022 uh, season. <laughs> we'll Beating bring you Villa on. in the final or Chelsea, <laughs> who knows? Uh, beating a Spurs side managed by Harry Kane in the final, um, maybe. Uh, anyway, whatever happens between Chelsea and Aston Villa, we'll bring you the fallout to that game on Thursday's pod. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, no action for the women's team this weekend, though plenty of players have been involved with their countries. Penilla Harder became Denmark's all-time leading scorer. She got two as they beat Malta 7-0, some massive wins. Uh, Xi on target for South Korea, 
Uh, beat Mongolia, who in fairness aren't known for their footballing ability, but it was a 12-0 win for South Korea in that game. Erin Cuthbert was on target for Scotland against Hungary. And Bethany England bagged a brace as England and England made the perfect start to life under new coach Serena Weigman. They beat North Macedonia 8-0. Uh, in terms of the men's academy size, the results this past weekend decidedly mixed. Uh, the under-18s beat Blackburn 3-2 in the under-18 PL Cup. That was at Cobham. The under-23s, though, hammered 6-1 at home by Arsenal on Sunday at Kings Meadow. Sam, they're yet to win a game in the league this season. We're not used to this in our years of covering the dev squad as they are known. Have they just lost too many key players to really be competitive this season? I think that's a big part of it. I think you have to you know, commend the opposition and, and looking at their lineup uh, at the weekend. Arsenal, Balogun uh, got himself a... Uh, a brace and probably probably the best centre forward I've seen in academy football um, in the last two or three seasons outside of Chelsea. You know, t- top quality player. They have looked to had a bit more experience in their lineup. And of course, if you take three of the best performers out of any side, there ha- there has an impact. And with, I'm talking about Livermento, Colwell, and of course Anderin, who are all all quality players and further on in their development. And we know how Chelsea like to do it in 23s. There'll be a lot of 17, 18, 19 year old boys in there who probably haven't got a great deal of experience at that level. So it will take time. And of course they've lost some superstars. So hopefully Charlie Webster for one, Harvey Vale, Soonsuck Bell, the, the lads I have seen in the under 18s in the youth cup games will, um, will lead by example and the results will turn. But you know, just looking at it with the, you know, casting an eye across it, they've lost some top quality and this isn't probably as strong a group as been before. Yeah, I wonder if we might see a Harvey Vale or a, a Soonsup Bell on the bench for the first team against Villa midweek. Uh, that'll just about do it for today. Before we go, Don, what have you been working on for athletic subscribers to peruse? Uh, well, I did the, the piece from the from the weekend about Chelsea's title aspirations looking back, actually just revisiting Tuchel's initial press conference as as manager back in late January where he suggested he wanted to build a team that no one found it fun playing against and that he wanted to close the gap to Liverpool and Manchester City by the start of this season at the latest and quite frankly he's he's done that Um, and probably a bit more by winning a European Cup thinking about it (laughs) Um, I'm off to the the game midweek as well uh, the Villa game and I'm I'm in Intrigued to see how Timo Werner does. I'm looking forward to seeing him play 90 minutes. It doesn't go to extra time, does it? Can someone tell me that? No. Straight okay. to Benz. That's good news. Um, <laughs> yeah, so let's see how Timo Werner does stretching a, a defence and making his case for inclusion against Manchester City at the weekend. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. Also, listener, if you listen on a podcast platform uh, that gives you the chance to review and rate, if you could give us five stars, that would be tremendously helpful and much appreciated. Uh, Sam, where in the wide world of football are you this week? I've got a very quiet week, Matt, uh, other than various podcasts alongside your good self. So I'll probably just start uh, making my way through a large list of jobs around the house. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely stuff. Good luck with those. Uh, Listener, many thanks for your company today. Thanks to to Sam, Dom and producer Lucy. We'll be back with you on Thursday. Until then, it's goodbye. The Athletic.